following message is presented by First Baptist Church of Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Now the message. If, if you were to find yourself standing before the Lord in this moment, would, would your words be few? If you were to, for some reason to leave this earth, close your eyes in death, draw your last breath, and you stood before the Lord, what would you say? What could you say? Or better yet, the, the most important factor to think about is what would he say about your life? As I look upon this, this congregation, as I go through town, as I go to different events, and I, I scan across the crowd, and I, I look at different people, I, I often wonder that. You know, where, where is that person going to spend eternity at? And, and see, when you look across a crowd and when you look across a congregation like this, I see all different ages. We had some of the little ones from our children's department here for just a moment ago. Uh, we have them ranging from all different ages. We have male, we have female, different nationalities, different races. But one thing that we all have in common, every single one of us, nobody is, is um, nobody is, going to miss out on this. this this is going to be a part of your life this is going to be something you will have to face statistics shows that one out of every person will one day die you'll leave this earth your days on this earth will be over with and and the time that you spend on this earth pales in comparison to the time that you will spend in eternity that this life that you spend here on this earth the book of Psalms says that a man's days are 70 years, 80 if he's stronger. But we'd never know when that moment is going to be when our life will cease to exist. And this life is only a blink of an eye compared to eternity. So the most important decision that you will ever face in your life is this. Where am I going to spend eternity at? That's more important than your choice of occupation, your career, your spouse, the place where you're going to live at, what you're going to do tomorrow. None of that matters if you don't have your eternal destination. If, if you don't have that decision made, and that decision hinges on your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Earlier this week, uh, the whole world watched as a search began for a crew that went exploring on a submarine. Tragedy had ensued. Uh, they had lost contact with them. And this small crew that was on board this submarine, all they wanted to do was go take a look at the remains of the Titanic, where it had rested on the bottom of the ocean. Adventurers, explorers, CEOs, investors, Different walks of life, different places in the world. One was 19 years old. He was terrified of going, as I would have been, as many of you would have been. Uh, there was one that stayed at home and chose not to go. He, he saw that the adventure was far too dangerous and the risk was just too high and he didn't want to take it. But I'm sure that that crew that got aboard that submarine as they went going to the bottom of the ocean on their way down, 
it probably never crossed their mind that this would be their last trip that they would ever take. And so as each and one, every one of us will have to face death one of these days, we don't know when that moment is going to take place. We just don't know. But the one thing that we can know is where we will spend eternity at. Jesus says, I give unto them life, life everlasting and life more abundantly. He said, the thief comes not but to kill and to steal and destroy. But I come so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And and so today's passage, we're looking at John chapter 11. We're looking at when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. This is going to be the last of the miracles that we'll study in this series. Part 10 of a series. Uh, we looked at many different miracles. Why, why did Jesus perform miracles? Did he do it just to brag or to show off? No, he didn't do it for that reason. All along, he was preparing his disciples for their own personal ministry. He knew that there was going to be a time where he was not going to be with them. He was showing them and he was involving them. I can't think of any one of those miracles where he didn't have a group of people with him. That either he demonstrated how to show compassion on someone's life or he involved them along with the ministry. Today's Sunday school lesson was all about the feeding of 4,000 in the book of Mark chapter 8. Jesus could have very easily done it all on his own, but he used his disciples to distribute the bread and the fish to the crowd. Jesus was in control of over all nature. He caused the fish to go into Peter's net. He calmed the seas. He calmed the storm with the sound of his voice. He caused the blind to see. He caused the deaf to hear. He caused the lame to walk. But only three times did he raise someone from the dead. One was a young boy. One was a young girl. And this man by the name of Lazarus, we don't know how old he was. He was an adult. We know that much. He had two sisters, Mary and Martha. Jesus was very, very dear to this family. He was close to this family. So that brings us to something else. Just because you're a Christian, it doesn't dismiss you from the troubles and the worries of this life. A lot of people think that, hey, I'm going to give my life to the Lord. I'm going to become a Christian and all of my cares, concerns, worries, and problems are going to disappear. That's not the case. You just have a different person to bring your concerns and your cares and your worries too. We don't know what kind of sickness that Lazarus had, but we know it was a sickness unto death. And Jesus didn't respond immediately. All Jesus had to do was speak the word from a distance and Lazarus would have been healed. But he delayed his coming to Lazarus by four whole days. And for four whole days, Lazarus was in the tomb and his sisters were worried to death about where was Jesus If he loved our brother so much, he would have been here. He would have taken care of this. And we would have missed out on this opportunity. And we would have avoided his death altogether. But Jesus said, I did this for your benefit. So that God would get the glory. The message this morning is titled, From Death to Life. And as we're reading through it, I want you to consider yourself in the same position as Lazarus, dead. (laughs) The Bible says that when we are in our trespasses and sins, we are basically a dead person. Not physically dead, 
because that would make you a zombie, and zombies aren't real. <laughs> but spiritually dead is what the Bible is speaking out. You are separated from a holy and just God that loves you and wants to be a part of your life. So as we look at the passage in John chapter 11, verses 1 through 44, let's all stand for the reading of God's Word. No, I'm not going to make you stand while I read all 44 verses. <laughs> so let's drop down to verse 24. This is the basis of what Jesus has to say during this miracle. Uh, he's speaking to Martha. Martha, Martha is questioning him. Uh, she heard that Jesus was coming, and she, she basically comes to Jesus and said, Look, if you would have been here, this would not have happened. And Jesus explains to her, Your brother will rise again. In verse 24, here's what John records. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. I want you to catch this part. I want you to highlight it or underline it. This is real important. This is where your eternal destination comes into play. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And that's the question on the floor today. Do you believe the words that Jesus just spoke? Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We thank you so much for this incredible story. We thank you so much for your miracles that we get to see. So many miracles recorded right here in the book of John and the gospel of John. For 10 weeks now, we've been looking at specific miracles, and we haven't even covered them all. That's just barely scratching the surface. So as we look at this most amazing miracle here today, Lord God, open our eyes. Help us to look at death in a different light. Help us to understand that you are the giver and taker of life and that our lives are in your hands. We pray, Lord God, that if there's anyone here that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, today would be that day. Just like that day when Lazarus raised up, raised up from the dead. We pray that their lives will be transformed and changed. And we just pray, Lord God, that you would have control over this place. Allow me to say the words, Lord God, that you want me to say. Help me to stay away from the areas that you want me to avoid. But most of all, Lord God, show me in my heart what needs to be spoken. And I pray for those listening, Lord God, that their ears and their hearts would be open to the message that you have for them. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So what is life? Life is brief. For some people, life is a lot briefer than others, a lot shorter than others. We never know when that moment is going to take place. Uh, if you've been reading through the chronological Bible that we offered back in January, if you've been reading through the Bible in a year, you just recently covered a book called Ecclesiastes, written by one of the wisest men recorded in the Bible, Solomon. He refers to himself as the preacher or the teacher. And he takes a look at life. He says, you know what? Life is all vanity. Everything that you can look at basically is useless. He says, what you're going to do is you're going to work, 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 and then one day you're going to die. Man, your life is going to be gone. Basically, nobody's going to remember it. 
He said, all of life is vanity. He said, and it's very, very brief. James chapter 4, verse 14 describes life as this. James says that life is but a mere vapor. In an instant, it's gone. That brief. Just like a little vapor that puffs up and eventually it dissipates and immediately it is gone. Well, here's Lazarus. Lazarus was sick. The thing that I want you to know about this is that Lazarus knew who Jesus was. Jesus loved Lazarus. But for some reason, he delayed his coming in a way that his sickness led to his death. And in verses 11 through 15, we read this. It says, these things he said, after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that he, I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. So then Jesus said to them plainly, he, he clears the air of the matter. He wants them to know this. Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Dead is dead. Lazarus was lifeless. His life was no longer in his body. His body was deteriorating. It was a rotting corpse in a tomb. He had been there for four days by the time Jesus got there. So here's one thing that I want you to do. Point number one, apart from Jesus, we are lifeless. People around us everywhere, they're living in darkness. They're lifeless without Jesus Christ. The Bible says that our sins and our transgressions have separated us from a God that loves us. Death is something that we will all face. Death is something that is inevitable. And death is the product of sin. Where does death come from? Death comes from Adam and Eve. They committed the first sin in the Garden of Eden. They were in a perfect environment. God told them, this is your one rule that you must obey. They broke that one rule. And because of that, death came upon all of humanity. This is known as the fall of mankind. The book of Romans chapter 5 says that, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into this world, and death by sin. Therefore, death has passed upon all men, because all have sinned. We've discussed that verse many, many times. All means all. That's all all means. And the Bible says that we've all sinned and we've fallen short of glory of God. And because of that sin, death has entered in this world and death is something that we all must face. So we live in a world today that is literally filled with darkness. People are living in sin. People around us everywhere are living in darkness the same way that Lazarus was. His body was lifeless. He was in a tomb. The tomb was sealed with stones. No light could get in. He was in darkness and he was separated from the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is a picture of us in our sinful condition, separated from a God that loves us. Back in 2009... Uh, the Florida Gators were having their national championship season. Tim Tebow was a quarterback. And, and all throughout the season, he, he wore the eye black. He, he noticed some of his teammates had eye black with their names on it, different words, different slogans. 
So he figured he was a Christian, he was a believer, he wanted to get the word out. He wrote Philippians 4.13 on there, uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In every game he would put Philippians 4.13 on, and it sparked some uh, conversations. Many people were interested in it. And then when it came time for the national championship, he said, you know what, I, I think I can get a better message than that out. His, his head coach didn't like changes. He thought that if something was being done while they were winning, they should keep on doing it. And so when he approached his coach about changing the message on his eye black, his coach said, uh, if you really think that the Lord's leading you to do that, then go ahead. And the message that he had was John three sixteen. And so all through the national championship, John three sixteen was on Tim Tebow's eye black. After the game, they had won the national championship. They were sitting around. They were... Uh, talking about the season, how things had gone. And they got a message from one of their uh, promotional agents. He said, you know, I didn't think that that kind of a change would make a difference. He said, but we found out that the night that you put John 3.16 on your eye black, 93 million people Googled John 3.16 to see what it meant. 93 million people here in our Christian nation, one nation under God, did not know that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, and whosoever believes him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's how deep the darkness is in our world today. That's how many people are living in darkness all around us. 93 million people did not know the love of God and had never heard about the love of God in that way. So just think about how many people are here in our area that are living in darkness, lifeless, separated from a God that loves them and wants to be a part of their life. Second Peter 3, 9 expresses how deep God's love is. God's not slack concerning his promise, but he's long-suffering. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And as I think about a congregation like this, as I go out in public, as I look at people, I look at them as a person who is created in the image of God. Did you know that? Did you understand it? Do you ever think about, when you look in the mirror, you say that, it's kind of hard to believe sometimes when you get up in the mornings, but when you look in the mirror, you look at yourself and you say, you know, I, I was created in the image of God. And because of that, God has a purpose for your life. Everybody here. You're not here by random. You're not here by happenstance. You're not here by chance. But God has individually and uniquely created you for a specific purpose. And he has created you in his image. But when we intentionally live a sinful life, when we fail to repent of our sins, we are Lifeless, We are separated from a God that loves us and that wants to draw near to us. All around us, people are walking around in utter darkness. They are dead in their trespasses and sins, and they are eternally separated from the one true source of life. So here's what Scripture has to say about that. We all have a sin nature. We're born with it. It's been passed down because of the original sin. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
Because of that sin nature, we will all face death. Romans 6.23 says that the wages or the pavement of sin is death. Spiritual death, separation from God that loves us for all eternity. Lazarus had a problem that was out of his control. He was dead. His disciples didn't get the clear message, but Jesus made it plain and simple to them. He's not just sick. He's not just sleeping. He is D-E-A-D, dead. And because of that, we must go to him. He was lifeless. Not only was he dead, but when Jesus told him to remove the stones, his sister Martha said, Lord, he's been in there for three, uh, four days. He stinks. That's another point that I want to bring out to you. The longer you stay away from the Lord, the more you stink. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, look, you stink. <laughs> but that is us. That Our attitude stinks. Our actions stink. When we're living our life separated from Jesus, we're lifeless and we begin to stink. Everything about us goes opposed to what God has created us for. However, the one, the one person that can completely change his situation was working on a plan. He was going to do it not only for Lazarus' benefit, but for everyone around. He wanted to show his disciples, here what I came to do. Folks, if you're here today and you've never repented of your sins, and if you've never turned your life over to Jesus Christ, you are spiritually dead. You are separated from the God who loves you. Write this verse down, Isaiah 55, verses 1 and 2. I'm sorry, Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that you will not hear. Now write down this verse, Ephesians chapter 2. This is what the Apostle Paul has to say to believers. This is the letter that he writes to the church at Ephesus. He says, and you were made alive. These are Christians. These are believers. These are the ones who have turned their lives over completely to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you he made dead, who uh, alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Apart from Jesus, we're lifeless. Our life has no purpose. It has no direction. But most importantly of all, our eternal destination is set on course for hell apart from Jesus Christ. Not only lifeless here on this earth, but for all eternity. 
Now, here's another thing that I want you to see about this passage that we're looking at. God knows our problem. God has made our provision. God has given us time and time again, several chances, many chances throughout our lives to turn from our sin and repent. You may be in a situation right now to where you're waiting on God to do something in your life. Let me tell you something. God is always on time. You may think that he's delaying a blessing in your life. You may think that he's delaying answering a prayer, but all along behind the scenes, he's working out a plan. In Lazarus's situation, everybody thought that Jesus should have been there a little bit sooner than he, should, than he showed up. Point number two that I want you to see is that Jesus is never late. He's always right on time. He's got a plan he's working on, and it might not agree with our plan. It not, might not be on our timeline, but according to his timeline, he's never going to be late. Verse number five says this, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. Not only is he never late, but here's something else that I want you to see. Jesus will come and meet you just where you are. He's that desperate to be a part of your life. Verses 20 and 23 says, Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. He wasn't late. He was right on time. He had a plan all along. It didn't agree with everybody else's plan, but he was not late with his coming. Verse 32, then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Everybody thought that Jesus was late. But Jesus says, you don't worry about it. I, I'm a God that deals with eternal matters. This situation is not out of my control. And I'm working it out according to my timing for your benefit. You may think you're waiting on something right now, but the thing you need to understand is that God is not ready to act upon that just yet. There's something else that you don't see that he's working on. Before he answers that prayer, before he pours that blessing out upon your life, there's something else that you don't know about that he's working out. And he's saying, you know, the time is not just right. Hold on just a minute. He's never late. He's always on time. We've been waiting on the, the rapture. We've been waiting on the return of Jesus for so long now. People have tried to predict when it's going to take place. Preacher, when's the Lord coming back? I don't know. Jesus said the angels in heaven, they don't even know. Only God knows. But he's not late. He's not delaying his coming. He's working out a plan. And he's given more people opportunity to repent of their sins. And when he shows up <laughs> with that shout, when he returns, 
It's going to be just according to his plan. Just the way this was. He's not late. He's right on time. The third thing that I want you to see is this, is that God pursues us with his never-ending love. God pursues us with his never-ending love. We just read in verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. They lived in Bethany, a place where Jesus would go for a spiritual retreat, a little rest and relaxation in between his ministry opportunities. He loved them. He, he was familiar with them. He didn't have anything against them. They showed hospitality to him. But several times in this passage, he expresses his love towards this family. Look at verses 35 through 36. Even the Jews, the religious people that were there, they saw Jesus' love for his friends here. Verse 35. Look, we do Bible drills. We do uh, scripture memorization at, at, at camp. Anytime I ask these kids if they know a verse, they say, oh, I know John eleven thirty five. 35. <laughs> Jesus wept. <laughs> I hope you can remember that. But look at how emotional Jesus was. This is how much he was in love with Lazarus and Mary and Martha. And everybody saw it there. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how much he loved him? God loves you more than you know. More than you realize. And probably more than you'll ever appreciate. And Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And all the people that you look at that are living in spiritual darkness, all of these people that are lifeless, all these people that are separated from God and created in his image, they love, uh, he loves them as well. Lazarus didn't pursue Jesus, but Jesus came looking for Lazarus. Out of his love and out of his compassion, that's been the whole theme of this series that I preached about is the compassion of Christ. He loved him so much that he went to where he was. Let me just say this. Dead men can't go after anything. Dead men are lifeless. And dead men don't go looking for God. I always get a kick out of people. They tell me their life story. They say, well, you know, I, I was going the wrong way and then all of a sudden... I found God. No, you didn't. <laughs> I hate to tell you this, but you didn't find God. He found you. You weren't looking for him. God did something in your life to wake you up and show you that he wants to be involved in your life. You didn't go looking for God. God came looking for you. And just like Lazarus, if you are dead in your trespasses and sins, you're here today for a reason because God's looking for you. He's looking to do something miraculous in your life. And the greatest miracle ever performed is seeing a person lost in their sins, dead in their trespasses, given new life, born again, a second chance in life by accepting salvation from the Lord Jesus Christ and repenting of their sins. That's how much God loves you. He pursues you with his never-ending love. 
Lazarus didn't pursue Jesus. Jesus came looking for him. Here's the thing. Before Jesus showed up, not only was Lazarus dead, but he was also bound up. He was in his grave clothes. He was in a cold, dark tomb, sealed by stones. He was wrapped up like a mummy. He was dead. He was in a dark place. He was separated from a God that loves him. Do you know what the only difference between you and the worst drunk and prostitute on Bourbon Street right now is? Only the grace of God. God has come looking for you. God has given you that nudge in his direction. And God is doing things in your life to bring you closer to a relationship with him. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Lazarus was his friend. Jesus loved him. He knew of his situation and out of his love and out of his compassion and for his love for this family, he went to where Lazarus was. And in your situation right now, Jesus wants to come and meet you right where you are at. That's how much he loves you. What is the one thing that can change a situation like that? The word of God. The word of God. And look at what happens. Jesus goes to where Lazarus is. And then the words of Christ bring the dead to life. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Look at verse 40. Jesus goes to the tomb. And he said to her, did I not say to you, that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Why did he specifically call out Lazarus' name? Because if he would have said, come forth, then every dead person around there would have rose up out of the tomb. But he was speaking to Lazarus. He was that specific about it. And right now, he might be calling your name. He might see the situation you're in. He might see how separated you are. And he's calling your name because he wants to have a relationship with you. And he wants to bring new life to your life. He sees that you are dead in your trespasses and your sins. And he's calling out your name because he wants you to come up out of that grave. He wants you to be set free from those grave clothes that you're in. He wants to bring you out of darkness and into light. And he wants to say, I love you. You're mine. And I don't want you to be separated any longer. The words of Christ bring the dead to life. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. Something else I want you to see in this. 
Jesus had the power to do all of this on his own. All he had to do was speak the word and the stone would have rolled out away. All he had to do was snap his finger and those grave clothes would have fallen off of Lazarus. But he used the people around there to remove the obstacle that separated Lazarus from a God that loves him. And then he used people to help Lazarus be unbound from those grave clothes. There's somebody right now that you know that's living in utter darkness. They're separated from God. They have no desire for spiritual things. And God wants to use you to help them remove those obstacles and put them in a position where they can have that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Tonight, 6 o'clock, we'll be going on visitation. There are people out there right now that are waiting for someone like you to come knock on their door and say, you know what? God loves you, and he has a plan for your life. And we have a place here at First Baptist Church where you can grow in Christ and draw near to God and let him draw near to you. Jesus went to several locations for specific reasons. He went out of his way to minister to people. And this is just one of many situations. He intentionally went to where Lazarus was to give him new life and to reveal to his disciples his love for Lazarus and his family. The next thing I want you to see is this, is that obediently following Jesus is liberating. Apart from life, uh, apart from Jesus, we're lifeless. Jesus is never late. He's always right on time. God pursues us with a never-ending love. The word of Christ brings life to everyone who will listen and hear. But when you obediently follow the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be liberated from all of those things that have been binding you up throughout all of your life. All of your sin, all of your addiction, God wants to set you free. Jesus said, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Not only did Jesus raise Lazarus back from life, but all of the things that were binding him up, he was set free from. He came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. What's holding you back today? What's keeping you from being liberated and living your life for the Lord? Here's the thing. Before Jesus showed up, not only was Lazarus dead, he was bound up. The only thing that rescued him was the grace of God. So what about you in your life? What's, what's stopping you from hearing the voice of the Lord and responding to his love and mercy and grace? Lazarus had no choice. When Jesus spoke to him, all he could do was respond. All he could do was get up and come out of that grave. And then God used everyone around to unbind him, to loose him, and to help set him free. Folks, Jesus wants to work through you to help someone who is dead in their trespasses and sins. 
He wants to work through you to help someone that is living in utter darkness. And he wants to work through you to help someone find new life in Christ. How did Jesus express his love for Lazarus? First of all, he visited him. He went to where he was at. Second of all, he spoke the words that Lazarus needed to hear. And third of all, he used other people to unbind him and loose him and help him get out of that grave. So of those people in that situation, where are you at right now? Are you the one that's lifeless? Are you the one that's bound up? Are you the one that is lost in your sin and trespasses? Still suffering from addiction? Have yet to be set free from the penalty of sin? Then you're here for a reason. And God is speaking to you like never before. Some of you, God is calling out your name. He's tugging on your heart. And you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you need to respond to what he's saying to you today. Or perhaps you may be the one to help someone. Hear the voice of God. I don't know where you stand in your life. I don't know if there's ever been a time in your life where you made that decision to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. As I've said before, I'm going to say it again. God does not force His will upon your life. Not only is the wages of sin death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Eternal life is a gift that he offers to us, but he doesn't force us to take it. Many of you have brought gifts to me this week, cookies, candy bars, things that I'm going to have to jog extra miles for. None of those things that I have to pay for, I didn't do anything to earn them, but out of your love, you have brought them as an offering saying, Happy birthday. Thank you for being here. We love you. And that's the way God is with eternal life. God says, I see your problem. I see your issue. I've got a solution for you, but I'm not going to make you take it. That's what's called a free will. God leaves the decision up to us. He doesn't force his will upon us. He could if he wanted to. But he says, I want you to come to me under your own free will and accept the offering of eternal life that I've made for you. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. There's that free gift of salvation. Jesus paid the price for your sins, but he leaves the decision up to you. The ball's in your court. Has there ever been a time in your life where you said yes to Jesus, where you've knelt down on your knees and you've asked God to forgive you of your sins, and make you a new person. Has there ever been a time like you were, you were like Lazarus. You were dead. You were cold. You were lifeless. You were separated from God. And you heard the voice of God speaking into your life. And you said that's what I want. I want to know Jesus like I've never known him before. If you've never made that decision. Please do not leave this building. Until you do. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. These altars are going to be open. If you know someone that's like that, if you know that there's someone that you need to go speak to, I I challenge you to bring that person's name here and pray for them. Ask God to give you that opportunity to share with them. But most of all, if you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, 
You meet me right here in the front in just a moment, and I would love to tell you how you can begin that relationship today. And just like Lazarus, you'll rise up out of that grave. You'll be a new person, and he'll set you free from the things that are holding you back. Every head bowed and every eye closed. And as you close your eyes, I want you to just think about this. Right now you can't see a thing. Darkness all around. Perhaps you've been living in darkness all of your life. Perhaps you know someone that this is the kind of darkness that they're in. There's no hope. There's no light. There's no path for them to follow. The Word of God brings life and it brings light into the dark places. Darkness is not the presence of darkness, but darkness is the absence of light. And the Bible says that when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, He brings us out of the darkness and into the light. And gives us new life. And just like Lazarus, when that stone was rolled away, when that bandage was removed from his eyes, I'm sure that was an unforgettable experience for him. I'm sure that for the rest of his life, he could point back and say, you know what? I was dead. And Jesus saved me. So your salvation experience should be an unforgettable one. There should be no doubt whatsoever And when I asked that there was a moment in time, you should be able to go back to a time, maybe as a child, maybe as a teenager. But there should be a memorable time in your life that was unforgettable, that you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you responded to the call of God in your life. And if I were to ask you where you would spend eternity if you died today, without hesitation, you should say, I know that I'm going to heaven and it's all because of Jesus. But if you can't say that, let today be that day that you settle it once and for all. As soon as the music plays, as soon as we stand, don't hesitate. Come meet me here in front and I'll tell you how you can begin that relationship. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this message. We thank you that you are the giver and taker of life and our life is in your hands. Help us now, Lord, to realize that we live in a world full of darkness. Millions of people right now are on their way to eternity in hell. They're separated from the God that loves us. And if there's anyone here, Lord God, that is in that situation, I pray that you would change your life for all eternity in this moment. We just ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about First Baptist Church, including contact info, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.